McDonald's has a new way of hiring, Instagram's new messaging feature, and what to do when you don't get the dream job. Welcome to Working Girl Talk. Welcome back to Working Girl Talk. So excited that you can join me today. We've had a busy news week and today we're talking about a topic that I'm so excited to talk about. This week has been pretty crazy for me. I had jury duty and it was quite the experience. So I am so glad to be here, just back in normal schedule, talking to you guys on the podcast and we're right on track. So let's get started with episode 23 of Working Girl Talk. First story, this week, McDonald's announced a new initiative called Apply through in which the owners of Amazon Alexa or Google Assistant devices can begin job applications using standard Alexa or OK Google voice commands, which this is a really cool concept. The company is envisioning this as a way to give young people more ways to start entry-level careers at one of its restaurants, according to The Verge. So how it works is after starting your conversation with Alexa or Google Assistant, they'll be able to answer a few basic questions out loud kind of like having a conversation like normal that you would have with Alexa. Then they'd receive a text following those responses and a link to complete the application online. Simple as that, as the McDonald's press release stated. So it's kind of a cool way you can kind of initiate that process really easily and then a text to the link and get going from there, which I'm assuming that already some of your voice conversation questions will be already applied to your application anyway. So maybe that even the link you click will be shorter too. The Verge notes that this initiative is a part of a growing series of really big tech-focused efforts on McDonald's part. Over the last few years, they've really tried to frame themselves as more of a hip, millennial-friendly brand. They've done a lot of rebranding, which I'm sure you've seen over the last few years. I keep seeing McDonald's to have a lot of construction and kind of reopen new branded. Um, The company has struggled, The Verge says, over the course of the last decade with the rise of other fast casual places. A lot of the times that they are more healthy than McDonald's and the dieting trends and all of that. So McDonald's has been kind of struggling in that front lately. So because dining culture has changed. So they've really been trying to embrace tech and making things easier for people like late night drive through mobile app ordering, all of these things. And they've invested in a lot of new technology as well. So if you've ever been to a McDonald's outside the U.S. I don't know, for some reason, I feel like they are more high-tech. Maybe they do their testing. Um, I just remember, like, for example, like, when I've been in Paris, like there's not even that many workers there. It's just a lot of like you order at these kiosks. It's very automated, very tech. And a lot of their investments are going to stuff like that. So The Verge says McDonald's is currently testing out even more of these tech features like robots in the kitchen, voice activated drive through systems. And the company actually earlier this year acquired a Israel-based AI startup called Dynamic Field for around an estimated 300 million dollars for the deal to bring more AI advancements and personalization to the drive-through, to various in-store menus, all of that just trying to update McDonald's. So I think this is a really cool idea, especially for McDonald's as they really have tried to embrace a lot of tech. I think it's a really cool idea because these entry-level jobs, it just makes it a little more simple and easier to just have your go straight to your Alexa. So that's kind of cool. We're really lucky to live in a time of 
job applications that can start with an Alexa command and text or even LinkedIn Easy Apply instead of back in the day when you had to take your resume in or mail it. So things are really cool. So I think it's awesome to see this update here. Uh, I will say, I don't know how you would know a job is open. Like maybe like you said, an Alexa command or alarm to tell you. I think that's the only thing, unless it's just always like continually open. My, my thing is like in the future, if other brands do this, like how will you know what job is open unless you actually look it up, which at that point when you just apply online. So I don't know, we'll see, but I think it's a cool idea and we'll see what happens with it. And I'm sure if McDonald's snails, this other people will follow next story concerning tinder so what are you doing sunday nights this october so on sunday nights of this october tinder the popular dating app is launching a new feature it's an interactive adventure called swipe night and it will present a narrative where users make a series of choices in order to proceed to the next round kind of like one of those choose your own adventure books or even um, netflix had a a Black Mirror movie that was like that, where you kind of chose what scene you wanted to see next. So this has been a thing for a long time, but I've never heard of it on an app, especially a dating app. So uh, TechCrunch says that this is part of a creative way to get some more engagement on the app because it has been lagging on Pretender apparently. So for example, based on an analysis of Android data in the US from SimilarWeb, Tinder sessions per user, meaning the number of times the average user opens the app per day, have declined. In Swipe Night, this new feature, this like game night, Tinder users will participate by launching the app on Sundays in October, anytime from 6 p.m. to midnight. And it will have like a five minute story to follow a group of friends in quote, an apocalyptic adventure where users will face moral dilemmas, practical choices, anything you can imagine in an apocalyptic adventure. And the chief product officer of Tinder is quoted saying, dating is all about connection and conversation and swipe night felt like a way to take that to the next next level. Our hope is that it will encourage new organic conversations based on a shared content experience. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like this is a little strange to me. I just don't know how that exactly makes the connections and how interactive this will be with other users. TechCrunch pointed this out as well, like that how much of a connection can you get to somebody from this unless it's just more like a hey I chose that too like more like a shared experience type of thing like I just don't know how exactly this relates to dating and I don't know I feel like it's a little strange and does seem more of like what a gaming app would do not a dating app and um, Variety actually wrote about it and they said something interesting they're like how someone chooses to play through a game doesn't necessarily translate into some sort of criteria as to whether they'd be a good match however which is why it's concerning that Tinder plans to feed this data to its algorithm so I think that is also crazy so like the choices you make that's going to depend on who shows up for you, I guess. So, which I don't even know how they would classify that. Like, oh, this person chose not to go fight a zombie or whatever this is like. So kind of interesting and a little strange because I think the whole point of Tinder was to be like honest, have your profile on there, which I mean, I don't know if everyone's honest on there, but like have honest conversations, like this is who I am, making people like connect based on who they actually are. But if it's based on like a fake scenario, isn't that like weird? I don't know. So it's a little strange to me, but we'll see if it helps Tinder out at all, um, gets that engagement back up. But just so you know, um, TechCrunch did know that 
the app doesn't really have much to worry about. It still accounts for the majority of spending in the top 10 dating apps globally, 59% to be exact, according to Sensor Tower. So they're still doing fine on the dating app side. I think they're just trying to get creative with it, but we'll see how it turns out for them. Interesting story to watch. Third and final story. I, If you follow me on Instagram, you probably saw me post about this, that Instagram launched a new feature in their direct messaging portion of the app, specifically in the direct messaging requests. So immediately when you get a direct message, you know how there's like that request blue button at the top of your messages. So you click that and you can see all the people that you're not friends with who are trying to message you. So now they added a new feature where you immediately see the profile stats for that person. Basically, you can see how many followers they have. This is an interesting change, which I think the reason that it was so odd to me is that in the past few months, as I've talked about, Instagram has been talked about getting rid of likes and they've even been testing it out in several countries. And it was all in the name of mental health, quote unquote, from Instagram. And so you would think that that's like their initiative if they're trying to get people to be more mentally healthy on the app. My question is, why would they add this feature then? Because if anything, I feel like followers is a big stressor for people. There's a lot of pressure, like, oh, I have to get followers. That's why there's so many people buying fake followers that immediately, if you see that, that, and that is what they're using as like a differentiator, like, oh, this is going to be what determines for you to accept that message or delete it. Like they're giving you that info. That's telling me that they want me to judge based off that. Does that make sense? I just feel like that's a weird metric for them to add to that specifically, because that is your first impression of an account, like seeing that message request. And they know that that's the first impression. So they're adding that follower number I would say because they want you that to be part of the first impression too. So immediately if I see you don't have a lot of followers, like, eh, maybe they're not a legit account or maybe I don't care. Like, so it's just kind of a weird like measurement to me. And I feel like it's a weird addition, which I don't care. Like that's like fine if they want to do that. But I just think it's, it's funny that they are getting rid of likes because of mental health, but they're going to add that feature for you to judge people instantly, right? When you get a message for them to see if you even want to interact with them. So I don't know. I think maybe I look too much into things, but I thought it was a very strange update if they're in this mindset of mental health, which really, I don't really buy that anyway. Um, Instagram is a business at the end of the day and just wants money, which I'm sure there are people there that do care about mental health. But I mean, obviously I think really what all that low like stuff comes down to anyways, that Instagram wants to make ad money, which is fine. They're a business. That's how they make money. But I saw that was a strange update if we're in the midst of all this mental health stuff. But yeah. Can you see it on your profile yet? Let me know. I can see it on mine. Like immediately when I see those message requests, I can see how many followers people have. So it's kind of cool. Like you can get more info about somebody, but is it the right info? I don't know. Like maybe a line that said member of Instagram since 2011. Like maybe that's more of a telling sign that you're a legit account, like that you've had an account for so long. Weird update there. We'll see the continual drama of what happens with Instagram. I feel like it's constantly changing, which is exciting and crazy. So we'll, I'll keep you posted there. And now time for our working girl topic. 
This topic is super close to my heart. I feel like it's something that I struggled a lot with and that everyone struggles a lot with, but I, there's not a lot of great resources on. So when, uh, specifically like when I felt like I needed to talk about it, I was like, I should make a blog about this. So I actually wrote a blog about this topic a while ago, which I'll reference back to in the show notes. So you can kind of read a full, uh, a long version, but I just wanted to kind of talk about this again, maybe add some new insight and get started on that. So what to do when you don't get the dream job. We've all been there. You've tweaked your resume. It looks great. You aced the phone interview. You're feeling so confident. Like a new job is on the horizon. The in-person interview is awesome. You nail it. You studied all those interview questions on those Forbes lists and you spent so much time prepping. And then even that interview time, that takes a lot of time as well. Maybe you did an assignment. Soon enough, after it's all over, you're just waiting for that phone call, that email that says that you got the job and it comes, but they say you didn't get it. Ugh. And as dramatic as, as like the scenario sounds, if you've been rejected from a job, internship, school, anything like that, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Rejection happens, especially in the professional world, and it hurts so bad. But there's something really painful about rejection from what you thought could have been a dream opportunity. And the great news here is that you're not alone. It's happened to probably everyone you know, and there's always something better on the horizon. So, but a lot of the time when this happens, maybe you're so in shock, you're emotional, you don't know what to do. So we're going to talk, go over a few steps on what to do immediately after. So how to respond to rejection professionally. If it's a phone call, the interview, most of the time doesn't want to break the bad news as much as you don't want to hear it. They'll probably cut to the chase immediately and you need to keep your cool. It's really hard because a phone call is very much like right in the moment versus an email where you can kind of compose yourself. So the rejection phone call can be very emotional. So just try to like keep, take deep breaths, really try to listen. And it's okay to express your sadness. I mean, I think that's really fair that you spent so much time in that, into that. It's okay to be sad and express that like, Oh, like I'm really sad to hear that, but like, leave it at that. Don't get upset. Don't yell at anybody. Cause most of the time that person is just the messenger anyway, and it's not their fault. You don't know what the internal structure is like. And especially if it was like a panel interview, you don't know who was more gunning for you, who was not like maybe that person on the phone really was like, yes, we need this person. But like the other people said no. So like you just you don't know whose side somebody's on. So never take it out ever on the person on the phone or even on that company because you don't know the inner workings there. And the most important thing is just to express your gratitude. Interviewing takes time on their end too. So thank them for their time and for letting you know about their decision because it takes a lot. At least they're getting back to you. I think that's one of the most frustrating things in the world is if you never hear back at all. So at least they're getting back to you and that's something to be grateful for. So if you can pull it together, it's always worthwhile to ask for feedback. I think that that's fair and a lot of the time, job managers, hiring managers, like they expect that and just asking like, oh, like is there anything like specific that you saw that I can work on for my future? But being really nice about it, like I'm just going to stress that like being really grateful, humble, and nice. And if you don't have the wherewithal to kind of keep going, like if you're too emotional, just leave it at gratitude and like part ways. Like you don't need to ask for feedback, but if you really like are in a good place and you're kind of able to get through that part, I would definitely ask just to see what they say. 
And if they don't have an answer, don't press them. Sometimes they really like don't have a good answer and because you don't know what the inner workings of their company is like. And so just kind of leave it at that. Don't press them and move on. Really just thank them for their time. And then after you hang up that phone, then you can kind of calm down, maybe cry, do what you need to do to get back together. So for the email side, sometimes the rejections come through email. It's really sad to be on the end of that rejection email, but on the bright side, at least you do have time to craft a thoughtful response. I think that is the pro of having an email. So you can use the same tips from the phone call, just being really gracious about it, um, but keep it very brief. Express your gratitude for the time taken and like a thank you for letting you know about their decision because as I said not everyone even does that and if you feel like it's appropriate in the same way in an email ask if there's any feedback they can provide to help you in the future and do this only if you had a face-to-face interview I would say like if it was like a multiple step process usually a phone interview is one of the first steps and then later on is a face-to-face interview if it if you just got to the phone interview stage I would probably recommend not asking for feedback because you were so early on in the process if you really felt like that you like that it's appropriate to ask it's always like you can feel free to ask but i would say that more for an in person interview because they really made that personal connection with you don't push a lot of the time sadly say but in an email format if you do ask for feedback, people don't respond. And like, that's just people get busy. It's you like sad to say, but you're already kind of like off the plate. They need to focus on actually hiring the person. So don't be upset about them not responding, but it's always fair to ask, but it's always good to say a thank you and follow up and not just leave their response hanging as well. But the biggest thing I could say is gratitude and just trying to keep a grateful spirit about it because it's it's really hard and it's really sad, but um, they're not happy to reject you either. Like it's never fun to reject somebody. And just a word like of advice for all of this is it's always how you end things that people remember. So really end on a positive note. You never want to burn a bridge. You may run into this person again at a networking event or something may open up at this company in the future. And you probably just want to be a good person to just be nice, but you just never know what will come back to you. So my recommendation would always just be to be grateful, nice, and you don't know where the road will take you because maybe in hindsight, this position wasn't great for you, but another position there is. So you wouldn't want to ruin your chances of that one later on now. And if you made it far enough to even get an interview, like congrats, that's awesome. And they obviously liked you. Sometimes it's just finding out who is actually the best fit for that role. And it's not personal. So that's like immediately how to respond. But how do you respond like from the emotional side? It's really hard to hear that rejection because you put so much time and work. And especially nowadays, the interview process takes so so much time you're expected to do all of these tasks, write this, do this, come here, talk to this person, talk to these five people. Like it's a long process. So it's so devastating if you get rejected. So here's three things to help you move on from professional rejection. Number one, I would say let it out. At one point in my life personally, I was really shocked to not get an opportunity that I really thought I was getting. And I hung up the phone it was one of the the phone call ones and I just started like sobbing it was crazy I was like whoa like who am I but I I just started sobbing it's funny to look back at it now because I was kind of crazy but just letting that emotion out was actually really good for me just like a few minutes like hey I'm just gonna sit here like get, get myself together compose myself and I immediately googled how to get over not getting a job and I did find something like there's like a lot of 
there's a lot of interesting stuff out there about this, but I found something that said, it's okay to be upset and get mad. And I'm here to second that because it is, it's okay. It's like a sad thing. Like cry, be sad, call your mom, take a few hours, take a few minutes to just be upset about it. And that's fine. I think where it gets into trouble is when you extend this period out for too long. Like there's a little bit of a grieving period. That's fine. But just don't cry days over it because really, if you didn't get this opportunity, it wasn't meant to be. And as cliche as that sound, like hindsight, you'll look back and you'll be grateful. Maybe you'll still have questions about why, but other opportunities will come that will be a better fit for you. So it'll all work out. Tip number two, get outside. It's not healthy to let rejection weigh you down. So once you're done processing, it's important to do something fun that makes you happy. Take a walk, go outside, get some fresh air, talk to a friend, do something active to get your mind off it, get the endorphins flowing. This can also be a good time to sharpen your skills too. Like maybe that energy of just being sad, turn that into energy that of work, like get inspired, start a new book, maybe learn a new skill, join Skillshare, um, take a class, anything like find some YouTube resources. Like, so especially if they do give you feedback earlier on, on like, Oh, this is something you could improve. Like take that and run with it and channel that energy into action. And sometimes a lot of the time, like learning boosts confidence. I've talked about that before when I've talked about confidence, but really it does because it empowers you. So I would take that energy instead of being sad and wasting it, turn it into action and be productive with it. Number three, time to move on. The good thing about jobs, internships, opportunities, all of these things, that there's plenty more up ahead. It may seem like a huge deal now, but in the long run, it will seem so small, as I said. So treat this as a learning experience and start looking for other opportunities if that's still something you want to pursue. And the other opportunities ahead will be even a better fit for you. I read in Forbes one time that a job interview is also about making sure that it's a fit for you. I think sometimes we get so wrapped up in answering the questions in the way that we think that they'd want to hear. But also it's your time to see if this would even be a good fit for you. I would say a lot of the time looking back you kind of can see like, oh, I don't even know if that would have been a good fit for me because we kind of get so into that that job mindset where you just want a job or you're in that interview process. But I think thinking about that too, like, oh, like there were actually a few things that it probably wouldn't have been a good fit for me. That can kind of help you move on as well, seeing those things. Um, And really just keeping up the mindset that there are other opportunities. Go look on LinkedIn jobs. There's hundreds of jobs there ready for people to apply for. And it's all a learning experience. I think that's something that has really helped me personally is looking at every interview, every phone call, every resume, all of that stuff is learning. Like I'm just learning to improve myself, to get better and any rejection. It's just a learning experience. Like, cool. now I know how to talk to somebody on the phone after they've rejected me or whatever the situation is, but kind of putting that positive spin on it and just moving on from it because you can't let it get you down forever. You can't be, if you've ever seen the movie Napoleon Dynamite back in the day, uh, Uncle Rico, the uncle that was like really obsessed with football and like high school football. And he was like, if I could just go back and relive those days, like don't be Uncle Rico, like don't relive that. Like, oh, if I could have just said this in the interview, I could have gotten it. Like, don't do that to yourself because no matter what you could have done, you don't know and you can't change the past. We don't have time machines. So we have to just embrace what is happening now, embrace that maybe the opportunity to happen, but a good one will come and 
just keeping that attitude of gratitude, like just being grateful for the opportunity, for the experience. And um, when one door closes, one door opens, as they say, and kind of being grateful that you didn't get it, because if you didn't get it, that means it wasn't a fit for you. So keeping that positive attitude. So hopefully those tips help. I'll link up my blog post about this as well. So you can reference that. Um, And if you have faced a job, internship, school rejection lately, just know you're not alone because we've all been there and it's terrible. So hopefully uh, these tips can kind of help you get in a more positive mindset and know that you're awesome and you just need to look for that right opportunity for you. And now for my Friday favorite, I actually, Friday favorite this week is the new iPhone 11. So I got the new iPhone and so far it's pretty cool. I had a seven before, so anything would have been better. So it's been a little bit of a transition. There's a few things that I'm still getting used to, but overall it's been a fun experience. But specifically my favorite is this new wide angle camera. It is so cool. I was trying to take, you know, those like down pictures where you look down at your feet. I had a box of cookies in my hand. I was trying to take a picture, my little crumble box, love crumble. And it was like so close up. You couldn't see the box. So I was like lifting my hand like over my head. And I was like, wait, I have this wide angle camera. I click that and it was crazy. It was like my torso grew like three feet. I got like my full, the full box, my feet, all that. And it was pretty cool. So it's kind of fun to test out this new iPhone, this new feature, all these, these three cameras. So it's kind of fun. And specifically, I wanted to give you guys a tip. So phone cases have been pretty hard to find uh, because the iPhone 11, they've either been either been released, like they've just been sold out. The place where I got mine is sold out or they just don't exist yet because the phone's so new. A lot of websites say coming soon. So my phone is bare right now, which is very risky, but Um, My brother actually did something smart. He ordered his phone case, his glass protector before he even got his phone. So there's a good tip for you. If you're getting a new phone, get that stuff beforehand. So when it comes, you're ready. So do that because I'm risking it all right now with a naked phone. Thank you so much for joining me on Working Girl Talk today. We have some awesome guests coming up that I'm super excited about. As always, if you have a guest in mind that you would like to be on the show, let me know and I'll try to make it happen as well as any topics you'd like me to cover. And as always, if you could leave a five-star review for Working Girl Talk, if anything said today impacted you or resonated with you, leave that five-star review for Working Girl Talk so we can get shown to more people. Get that podcast algorithm working for us. I'm so grateful for each and every one of you and hopefully this insight helped you out. So with that being said, I will talk to you next week. Have a happy Friday.